Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman for a draft night episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. We just wrapped up the first round here in Montreal, Corey, and I would call it a chaotic, wild night if not for the fact that it actually was pretty close to kind of the, the chaos scenario that you laid out in your mock uh, this week. Yuri Slavkovsky goes number one, Logan Cooley three, Shane Wright four, with Simon Nemec being one of the surprises at, at number two to the Devils. L- let's just kind of unpack this top four here. How did it unfold this way? It was going to be a domino effect. If you change that first pick, it goes in what would have been considered the more chalk way. I'm Fairly confident Uri Slavkowski is going to the Devils. Then Logan Cooley or Simon Nemec, I believe, was going to be Arizona's pick. I can't tell you for sure which one it was, but I believe it was Cooley. And then whichever one of those two weren't picked, we were going to go to Seattle. That's what I believe would have happened. Figuring out Montreal was always a dilemma. And I was never fully confident, even though I kind of felt that's where the winds were blowing. And once that one went, then I knew Shane Wright fall watch was on. I mean, there were scouts I talked to over in the week while I've been here in Montreal who thought if that scenario played out, you know, there you can you're talking about him going to five, six, seven. Obviously, that didn't happen, and I always thought that was a little unrealistic, just given that this is still an amazing player we're talking about. But this was a scenario that I thought could realistically happen if Slavkovsky was the first pick, which she ended up being. It was quite the scene when they made the pick. I mean, you didn't know how the fans here were going to react. I felt like I saw mostly cheers, heard yeah. mostly cheers here yeah. from this crowd. Right. Yes. We, listen, I know what the Habs faithful wanted. I know you. I saw the online polls where 80, 90% of them wanted to pick right. But yes, once it was clear that this is who the management decided on, the fans got really behind the pick and like even when he was in the crowd before you know the, what the, a the, scene. The, the fans were going nuts over him and he's a he's a likable kid too great player listen everyone has all the, has their preferences i have my preferences you have your preferences but uh, it's funny cuz i think not just between us in my conversation with people around the league other media those doomsday scenarios always play out. Oh, there's going to be booze. They're, they're going to riot. People are going to throw beer cans. But for the most part, sanity seemed to prevail. Not, never mind, not in the pick, but like in terms of how people act as human beings. And they realize this is a, just a draft pick. And you, know, you, you have paid professionals who came to a conclusion. And maybe you disagree, maybe you don't. That's how sports always work. By the end of the day, that, that's who they wanted, and he's going to be a huge part of the Montreal Canadiens for a very long time, so I'm happy to see that they got behind him. By the time he left the event level, left the draft floor, and he walked up the stairs here, right in between sections 115 and 116, he's high-fiving fans, fist-bumping. I saw a guy right toward the, uh, the exit uh, tunnel who had a pre-made Slavkovsky Canadians jersey showing I, I, I love it. The guys who had the pre-made right jerseys are, that's, 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 unfo- that's an unfortunate sunk cost. <laughs> but, but a big win for that guy, right? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, like I said, it was, I, I cover a lot of drafts. There's never usually this level of anxiety around the first or overall pick. I, I don't know, you know, if you're, and there's, there's there's sometimes undecided first overall picks, but it was the context. It was the team that was making the pick. It was the home building. It was you had the exceptional status kid in, in the mix. What a unique scenario! It was just so fun to cover. It was stressful at times to cover, but it was really fun to cover. And obviously, this debate is not over. No. The, the Shane Wright advocates are, are are not going away anytime soon. Uh, but but what I like about this for Shane Wright is by going for. Listen, he's an exceptional player. 
great player. Second, I told I he was second on my list. I maintain you could have easily argued him to number one as the best player in the draft. But by going for he the he has to be a superstar is gone. I think yep. I think that illusion is gone from most people right now. They see what I, what we've been talking about, what NHL teams have been talking about for all year. They realize this illusion is gone. And frankly, he doesn't need to be in the NHL next season. He very well could be. I can see him being in the NHL, but. Fourth overall picks get sent back to junior all the time. And if that's what the Seattle Kraken decide, I, I just it, it takes there's a little there's just some pressure off this kid now from people expecting him to be something he isn't. He's a great player, but I felt like just because of what he did as a 15-year-old and his exceptional status, I feel like there's a lot of people in the public, particularly, who were talking this guy up like something he isn't, and it wasn't fair to him. And I, I really like this outcome for Shane Wright. I like it for Seattle, too, because now you look, they've started their franchise with two, with something that every franchise ultimately wants, two young, exceptional, two-way centermen. You know, what we'll see is either of them going to be a superstar, time will tell. But no, those are huge pieces. Cornerstones. Though. You know, you look at, like, say, Ryan O'Reilly and Robert Thomas in St. Louis, and you're, you're kind of envisioning a similar dynamic there, right? Are either of them premier top 10 centers in the league? No, but the, the St. Louis Blues won a lot of games last season, and, and those two guys are a big reason why. And you're getting them at the very start of their career, so I really like that for Seattle. Uh, we'll wrap on the on the top five soon here, but Simon Nemec to, to New Jersey. Where did this one come from? I know you thought it, it could be, if it was not Slavkovsky, one of the two right-shot D. What do you think ultimately separated Nemec there? I think Nemec, people just loved the, the offense, the, the hockey sense. Uh, when especially when we saw him in those Slovakia extra league playoffs, he was a dynamic. He was breaking games open by himself. Uh, I actually had talked to quite a few people in the closing weeks who thought he was the first or second best player in the draft. It was a minority opinion, but it, but it existed out there in places other than New Jersey. And like like I mean, like it was between him and Yurichek. I thought. I mean. Nemec is a better skater, so I think there was some alleviate a little bit of concerns there in terms of how he translates to the NHL. And I mean, now you got you got him and Luke Hughes now on your blue line in, in the future. Those are that's a very nice for an organization that really needed another top young defenseman. I mean, he's gonna be, be such a helpful part of that franchise. He's gonna get so many pucks to Jack Hughes and Dawson Mercer and Alex Holtz and, and Nico Heischer. Um, Devils fans should be happy with that selection. One of the craziest storylines of the day started before we even got to the draft, and it was the start of many moves for the Chicago Blackhawks who enter the day without a first-round pick. They end up making three, and the first way that they do that is by trading Alex Debrinkit for the seventh overall pick to Ottawa, a couple other picks in there as well, then by trading away Kirby Dock to start a series of moves that lands on the number 13 pick, and eventually they get number 25 as well. They come out of that with Kevin Korchinski, Frank Nazar, and Sam Renzel, what do you think of the Blackhawks' day? It's obviously a seismic one in Chicago. Very much seismic, and there's a lot to dissect there. But before we even get to the first round picks, I feel like you know my opinions don't match Chicago's, and that's fine. I know NHL scouts who who loved all those players they picked, and 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 many and many others. Kirby Doc moving is is very interesting to me because when you're talking about a rebuild, I mean, this is that's a that's a really young player. So when I see that happen, it's not about starting a new era of a rebuild. I get to bring it. He's two years away from being a free agent. I get that one. But this is a guy you could, is young, you could have extended, could kept around for that next core. 
Doc didn't have the best season this year, and I suspect that people watching him in that organization may have been a little frustrated by his development and, and his play, even though he is exceptionally talented. That's the only thing that comes to mind, because otherwise, I don't know what you think, but it, it's hard to, I guess, I, I know they got some really nice picks, and Frank Nazar's a great player, but you know, is Frank Nazar going to be a better player than Kirby Doc? I don't know, but he is younger, and, and it does tell me that you know, there's a new management team there, one that did not draft Kirby Doc. And they have told their fans in very explicit terms, we're going to suck it, and we're going to suck for a while. Um, and we and they're hoping to rebuild the right way. Obviously, next year's draft, very loaded at the top with, with two, arguably three premium prospects. It looks like Chicago is very much in the mix for these guys next year. But if your rebuild doesn't include Kirby Doc... You're talking about a very long and painful process, not dissimilar to the one that you've been covering yep. in Detroit for a very long time. Well, my, that was my first reaction to the Debrinket trade, frankly, because he's not an old player. He's 24, but it does tell me that they don't see him. I mean, th th his next deal is going to be significant. It's probably going to be around $9 million a year, yeah. uh, and they're probably not going to be able to, yeah. to take advantage of really any of that uh, based on the direction they're going here. I don't think that the Kirby Doc thing... I don't think it can totally have been age. He's still young enough that at you know, 21 years old, it, I think to me that does tell you they weren't sold on the player. They wanted to just right. re retry it with somebody new. Um, but I do think this looks like five years that's, plus that's, of a rebuild. That's, that's tough for a third overall pick three years later, right? No, and no he, doubt. And he has, he's had some NHL sex. Not a lot, but some NHL success. Especially early. Yeah, just not this year. I get it. I've heard these frustrations with Kirby before when he was a junior player. So I, I wonder if some of that's leaked in, into, into, into this, but it's hard for me to say. I'm just speculating. I didn't expect him to be traded today, so I wasn't really asking around about Kirby Doc. Uh, in terms of the players they selected, you know, they all went a little bit higher than they were on my personal list, but I, all, I know quite a few scouts that love Kevin Korczynski, that love Frank Nazar, that even have Sam Renzel as a first-round pick. A lot of skating and skill that they drafted there. Um, I think with Renzel, it's going to be a very long wait. He's going back to the USHL next season. He's not even going to college, so you're hoping he's the next Blake Wheeler who follows that path. He was the last first-round pick to go back to the USHL after, after being drafted, but... It's going to be a long wait for him. Korchinski, I get it. It's always been the defense that worried me a little bit. But if you think it's not that big an issue, you watch the WHL playoffs, you see the 6-2 skating, highly skilled, playmaking defenseman who's playing big minutes, I get it. I don't think that one's unreasonable. I am, I might be off on that one. And Nazar, just, he is what he is. He's an excellent player. The hype in him got a little out of control, but he went where he probably should have. You know, he's a, he's a extremely quick, competitive. There's skill there. Scored a lot this year. Those are three excellent prospects, but man, the, the the time frame we're talking about for those three becoming you know important NHL players, other than other than Korczynski, you're you're looking three to five years down the line at minimum for those guys. So, uh, you know, I, I think Chicago fans have their eyes wide open to what's ahead for them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. 
It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. I want to go now to a couple of the players who slipped a little bit, and that would be Jonathan LeCaramaki, who we talked about potentially even threatening the top five earlier this week. He falls to number 15 to Vancouver. Uh, Joachim Kamel, who was pretty much wire-to-wire top 10 since his hot start in Finland, he gets to the Predators at number 17. I don't. I actually like these landing spots for both of these players quite a bit. Uh, it might have meant some uh, discomfort getting there and, and not knowing exactly what was going on, but from your perspective, talking to folks around the league, how did these two guys get to, to 15 and 17? It's something we've talked about on the podcast a lot, is that I think when you look at the history of the NHL draft, presuming Savoy is a winger, Matthew Savoy, the ninth overall pick to Buffalo, how many 5'9", 5'10", wingers go in the top 10 or top 12? Like These guys are being mocked consistently in that range. I'm mocking consistently, but there was always a part of my brain that was thinking, this doesn't make sense. This is not the reality of how the NHL draft works. And you see that with a big defenseman, Kevin Korczynski, big defenseman, Pavel Michikov, big center, Connor Geeky. Um, McGrory gets into the top 15. Yeah, 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 McGrory in there. Uh, so just like stuff, stuff like that, where yeah, there's some there were some smaller players mixed in there, like like Fernandez and Denton Matejchuk. But that was always a concern of mine when I was looking through their projections. Is that you have Lekaramaki, tremendous skill, scoring ability. Same thing with Kamel, but Lekaramaki's kind of a perimeter player, doesn't drive at even strength. Kamel, good, not great skater. For someone who we learned just recently is not 5'11 or 5'11 <laughs> and a half, but is closer to 5'10, uh, that combine measurement I know talking to people around the league did not help his case. Um, so that doesn't surprise me too much. I thought they'd go a little bit higher, but definitely Kamel was the one. I started getting cold feet on him from everybody in the league I was talking to. There wasn't a whole lot of I can't wait to draft that guy that I was hearing among the teams that were picking high. I think for Lekaramaki especially, like I, I know Vancouver, it was all about the right shot D, the right shot D, but he's going to go into a situation there where you know we'll see what's going to happen with JT Miller. He did not move today. That was one of the, the big questions of what would happen there. And, and, by, and by the time he's ready to play, you're going to have to have a new Brock Besser contract. And, and, and so I think they just saw a guy who was just so talented, and they, and they just said, yes, that's not our immediate depth chart needs, but fuck it, let's just get the best player. Yeah. All right, let's go on now to the Russians. That was another one of the big questions coming in here. And, you know, Ivan Marashoshenko actually ends up, well, other than Minchikov, who goes at 10, but he was playing on the OHL, so a little different circumstance. I, I was very surprised to see Marashoshenko go ahead of Danila Yurov, but he goes at 20 to the Capitals. Great story for everything that he's been through to still be a first-round pick, to still be a top-20 pick. That's one of the best moments in this draft. I agree. And obviously, Washington believes in the medicals. Not everybody I talked to was overly convinced by the medicals in the league, but, but enough. There was quite a few people who, who, who did think he, he's going to recover fine. And obviously, Washington is, is one of them. And you've got to put Mirosachenko in the right context. Before his play started to dip a little bit in the middle of the season, and which I think any reasonable person can conclude is, was because of the Hodgkin's lymphoma he diagnosed. This was a guy I was talking to people in the league that was talking about. He's second overall. He's third overall. He's fourth overall. This guy is not just a good player. He was a monster when he was healthy. He dominated the U18 World Championships as an underage player uh, last season in Dallas. You're talking about a guy who's big, powerful, fast, skilled, has a bullet of a shot that can score from the dots. He has 
everything you think of in a tie in the lineup forward in the National Hockey League. It was just the passport and the health issues. I respect this swing by the Washington Capitals. This is the kind of swing you got to make if you're the Washington Capitals because that window's closing fast. you got the Nicholas Backstrom issues going on right now. He's going to take a couple of years to come, but if he comes and he is what we thought he was a year ago, that's a guy who helps keep the window open a little bit longer. Certainly, uh, you know, differentiating circumstance for him, but is the reason that you know, a guy like Minchikov can go 10 and, and Yurov gets, you know, into the mid-20s there at 24. Is that as simple as one plays in Ontario, one plays in Russia? That's basically it. And I, I knocked people in the league who thought that was kind of ridiculous people people were thinking that way, but there was quite a few people in the league who thought that because he was playing Ontario, he's not even going back to Russia this offseason. It was such a commitment to avoid those issues that clearly the Anaheim Ducks believe these Russian factor variables did not apply to Mitchikov like they did to Mirzachenko, and especially like they did to Danila Yurov, who falls to 24, despite most people in the league thinking he was a top 10 to 12 talent. There was, a, there was some cult feed on him a little bit in, in, in recent days when I was talking to some scouts like about how exactly how good he is, how much of a swing would you take on him. But most people in the league think he was a, you know, a high first half of the, of, the, of the first round type of talent. And... I didn't know the exact order, but I started getting the sense on, on the Russians and Brad Lambert that it wasn't going to happen in the top 20. I was wrong on one of them, which was which was Mirosachenko. I felt, in general, there were fewer players at the very end of this first round today that I was going, wow, how is that guy still on the board than in some years? But there are still some big names out there. Uh, as we go into tomorrow, I'm going to do something that you know maybe isn't the best podcast practice on a 12-hour shelf life, Corey. Uh, but as we sit here on, on Thursday night, who stands out to you that's left on the board going into tomorrow? You're not really surprised that small defensemen didn't get picked in the first round, even though Denton Matejchuk, who I'm very passionate about, didn't end up going where I think he should have should have gone on talent. But I think you're looking at Matthias Havlid in, in Lynn Coping. I think you're looking at Lane Hudson with a program. Two small defensemen, but both have a ton of offense. I think you're looking at Luca Del Belbaluz, who was one of the who scored at a really high rate in the Ontario League. I really like both of the USHL kids, Ryan Green, Cam Lund. I don't think they're going to last long tomorrow. I think you really like Yanni Neiman, the Finnish player. I think he's going to go very fast tomorrow. From from the, just the early buzz I'm hearing right now on him, um, and I think that's a, and, and Tristan Luno from Gatineau. I think of some he's going to go on. He's going to go in the second round as well. Um, I think those are guys, and I, I agree with you. There wasn't a lot of. I don't think it was a really surprising first round to me. It depends on your on your context on that, obviously, in terms of what you were expecting to happen. But you know, just we had talked about what Brad Lambert. We thought Brad Lambert was going to fall. But yep. we talked about the Russians, and Brad Lambert, I think, goes really close to where 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 I had him mocked. I didn't have Lamaru in my last mock or Philip Meshar, but those are always those are guys who have been in other mock drafts. I think, especially Lamaru, we've had him in first round mocks before. It was just a matter of if we thought they were going to go or not kind of thing. And we, I think, we actually had him mocked to Arizona at one point in one of our mock drafts. So. Um, but just wasn't wasn't the most recent one. So yeah, I thought Schaefer and Gauthier would go a little bit higher. I get it; they're both maybe not the most flashy offensive types, skating especially on on, on Schaefer scared away some teams. Um, so they went. Well, they, those were ones I was probably too high on, at least relative to the industry. But they both end up going in the first round, and I think they'll both be important players for both the Ducks and Oilers respectively down the line. Let's finish this thing where we started with the team picking first overall, the host team Montreal. They start this day, you know, who knows what's going to happen. They come out of it with Yuri Slavkovsky, Kirby Doc, Philip Mesar. What do you make of that? Well, let's talk about Kirby Doc for a second because we, we already talked about him briefly. You know, if you're expecting Kirby Doc to be the guy you saw in that first NHL season where it looks like he's on the quick path to start on this 6-4, fast, highly skilled, playmaking centerman. He's so dynamic. If you're expecting that guy, this future star number one center, I think you're going to be disappointed. 
if you're thinking, I think Kirby Duckley would be a really good top two line center for my organization for a very long time. I think that's perfectly within the realm of, of expectations. Yes, I know he didn't have the best season. He's a little inconsistent. I get that. But man, he's he's talented. I don't think the compete is that bad either. Like it's just it's he's just not a, a you know a true game breaker, but he's a, he's got so much NHL assets. I, I think he's gonna be a really good player. And we go to we talk about Slavkovsky. We talk about him a lot. Quite a lot. <laughs> I hope I don't and I have a suspicion we're not gonna stop talking about <laughs> Slavkovsky and Shane Wright and, and those guys that much going forward. Um but you know the comparable I always use in my articles was Rick Nash. And it might be a corny one to use for a first overall pick like what Wish Nash was, who also wasn't the most high-profile first overall pick. But I think this is what Slavkovsky can be. I think this is a guy who has a good chance to be a 30, 35, maybe even 40-goal scorer at his peak, who can be a legitimate high-in-the-lineup you know, forward, has a chance to be a star. He's not going to... Uh, he's not a guy I'm sitting here thinking, oh, he's the Hall of Fame's coming for him in 20 years or something like that. He's not a guy I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is your rebuild's over. You got Slavkovsky and Kirby Doc. The rebuild's over. Good job, Montreal. We'll, we'll see you in the playoffs in three years. But man, he's a hell of a hockey player. And he's going to be a really important part of a good p- playoff team, you know, when it's time to, to be that in Montreal. I mean, I don't know how you can't watch it. I, I get the statistics, I get it. His, his stats sucked this season, especially for first overall. There is no arguing around that fact. But, man, when you watch him, 6'4", he can skate. He's so skilled. He makes plays. He competes hard. He can shoot the puck. Like, I think people were, were, were making really mental gymnastics trying to figure out why this guy was in the mix. And it was just – I hate to use the word watch the games because it's, like, demeaning sometimes to people. Sure. Because, like – Especially when they don't watch the, they don't have time to watch these players kind of thing. They look at the stats. I understand it's a reasonable conclusion to jump to. But if you just really just turn on those Olympic games, those World Championship games, his Holinka games, his World Junior games from the previous season, the World Championship games from the previous season, so many games you could watch this guy in and just and you just really dial in on him. You're like, fuck, he's a good player. Like he's a really fucking good player. And I, I think this is a great day if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan. And as of today, they love him here in Montreal. That's gonna do it for us today. Thanks for joining us live from the draft floor from from the stands here in Montreal. We'll be back at it soon. Uh, We're going to have a ton more great content coming your way, so you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month right now. Get on that. I promise there's a ton of good stuff coming. We'll talk to you again soon.